0: This program is brought to you by Manscaped, the lawnmower three now available in Australia. And it's fantastic, Tony, that they've been on board in this lead up to winter for us here on Inside Supercars because we definitely once again saw with Scott McLaughlin racing at Indy, you need a lot of balls to race at any sort of motorsport and uh, they don't have to be shaggy, hairy ones.
1: Indeed not. And by crikey, um, is the equipment that Manscaped provides some of the best you can imagine? I mean, it's a third-generation trimmer. It's uh, got ceramic blades and has a a rev limit of about 7,000 RPM, which is extraordinary. And yet it's so quiet. Quiet and safe to use in the shower because the waterproof technology allows you to groom your way to even a better feeling in life. So it's very cool. There's an LED light which will groom up what you're wanting to do and it all works beautifully well With then also the reviver and preserver to give you the treatment and feel you want after you've done the job. Craig, I couldn't be happy with the product they provide.
0: Yes, I know, and uh, we've now had it for a month and uh, the battery life is fantastic. It's cordless, so that's one of the reasons why you can use it in the shower and so many people have been jumping on and looking and taking the opportunity here at Inside Supercars to be able to purchase their own Lawnmower 3.0 and that is great. Now we still have this opportunity for people to jump online at manscaped.com and use the code inside SC and you get 20% off plus free delivery of the Lawn Mower 3.0. So it's 20% off free delivery if you use the code inside sc so it's a great opportunity to get yourself one of the uh, precision products available for your manscaping and it also allows you to have a bit of a discount going with it this is our last week of this promotion here on inside supercars so make sure you get in there with that code inside sc it's time to act now and of course your ball will thank you and just
1: remember as john kennedy senior of hawthorne footy club said all
0: those years ago don't think do this program is brought to you by manscaped the lawnmower three now available in australia and it's fantastic tony that they've been on board in this lead up to winter for us here on Inside Supercars because we definitely once again saw with Scott McLaughlin racing at Indy, you need a lot of balls to race at any sort of motorsport and uh, they don't have to be shaggy, hairy ones.
1: Indeed not. And by crikey, um, is the equipment that Manscaped provide some of the best you can imagine? I mean, it's a third generation trimmer. It's got ceramic blades and has a rev limit of about 7,000 RPM, which is extraordinary, and yet it's so quiet. Quiet and safe to use in the shower because the waterproof technology allows you to groom your way to even a better feeling in life. So it's very cool. There's lot LED light which will groom up what you're wanting to do, and it all works beautifully well then also the reviver and preserver to give you the treatment and feel you want after you've done the job. Craig, I couldn't be happy with the product they provide.
0: Yes, I know, and uh, we've now had it for a month, and uh, the battery life is fantastic. It's cordless, so that's one of the reasons why you can use it in the shower. And so many people have been jumping on and looking and taking the opportunity here at Inside Supercars to be able to purchase their own Lawnmower 3.0. And that is great. Now, we still have this opportunity for people to jump online at manscaped.com and use the code INSIDESC and you get 20% off plus free delivery of the Lawn Mower 3.0, so it's 20% off, free delivery if you use the code inside sc so it's a great opportunity to get yourself one of the uh, precision products available for your manscaping and it also allows you to have a bit of a discount going with it this is our last week of this promotion here on inside supercars so make sure you get in there with that code inside sc it's time to act now and of course your are Will thank you.
1: And just remember, as John Kennedy Sr. of Hawthorne Footy Club said all those years ago, don't think,
0: do.
2: For those nights when one drink with the girls turns into
0: a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day, there's pickup. Or in Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub, there's pickup. Don't miss
2: out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car and the other driver
1: follows. Download the pickup app today. That's P-K-U-P and wake up worry-free.
0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across australia and here's inside supercars
1: welcome to inside supercars craig bell and tony whitlock and we're joined by one of the Doyons of the paddock a man who has put his team erebus motorsport on the map in more ways than one barry welcome on board you're just about to jump on a plane anytime soon for darwin
2: yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me. Nah, no, we're not actually getting on the plane, we're just jumping in some cars and just getting to New South Wales tomorrow. Um, going to Wagga, of all places, but we've picked a bit of a central place that's a nice little spot and we can do our um, Victorian quarantine in, in Victoria. In um, New South Wales, sorry. Your transporter, is it, heading there as well? No, we've got a different plan to everyone else. We've, um, our, our truck driver's not full-time, so he has a normal job. So we're just gonna leave the normal time we would have, which is the 12th of June. Uh, the, the transport will head up um, across the border um, and we've got some uh, another driver from Queensland that's gonna drive, you know, obviously unrestricted because he's a Queenslander Darwin. So um, yeah, we, we can get the cars back
1: out of the truck and do a bit of a Darwin prep before, before we um, head off on the 12th. You have a, uh, a very high profile team owner Betty Plamenco is somebody who has certainly uh, let everyone know what she's thinking, why she's thinking it, and uh, what she's going to do about it, which at times is both good and bad. But one of the things that comes across in the things I've read is somebody who cares an enormous amount for the people who commit and work very hard uh, for her, both the girls and guys who work at Erebus Motorsport. Uh, she uh, she doesn't want to see a repeat of uh, 2020, where you're on the road for a hundred and something days. So um, tell us about you know, the, the process involved here because you had a, almost a demand made of you to do something and you said, right, we'll do it, but. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess last year she, she t- took it pretty hard that we're all on the road and, you know, um, away from our families and our know, lives and, you know, it affected some people different than others and, um, she basically put her foot down at the end of last year and said, said to us all, well, we can't do it again. She she was like, I'm not going to allow you to do it again. So when it looked like happening again last week, we 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 agreed that we weren't going to do it. But um, then when we spoke about it over the weekend, we sort of put some targets in place that, right, we really need to do this. We've, we've rebuilt the, the team, if you want to call it that, everybody does. Um, we've got some fantastic drivers a fantastic crew really good commercial support, support with you know some really good partners like boost and Hosland and and partners and wD40 and all these great partners that we can't let them down so we come up with a plan where we'll do it but we'll put some criteria in place that it's it's 18 days maximum from when we leave tomorrow on the third or wherever it is second um, we fly back on the red eye from Darwin on a Sunday night and we're back in Melbourne and supercars have agreed to that and said that they're not even going to ask us to stay on the road to do Townsville. So obviously, you know, a lot of the teams are the same. They they just didn't have, I guess the, they didn't want to speak up about it and we were happy to. And somehow it's um, broken from, you know, an internal chat with supercars and the team owners to the media and, We've had to deal with it and, and Betty's dealt with the way she likes to do it, which is very honest. And, um, yeah, I think she's got a lot of support for what she said and, um, yeah, and our team
1: have all stepped up and, you know, agreed with us that we need to do it as a team. One of the things that seems very obvious um, to anybody who follows the series and has done for any time is that your two young guys have actually lived through to... Almost the Erebus motto is that nothing's impossible. We, you know, we tackle something, we have belief, we go for it. And both Will Brown and Brodie Kostecki have uh, performed, uh, you know, wonderfully this year. I, I mean, you must be, um, as a somebody involved in choosing two young men to replace, you know, very proven drivers um, yeah. and, you know, guys who were snapped up by other people, you must be very pleased with that success, really. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like Betty's little slogan she made up. You were pretty
2: close with it. Was choose to do the impossible, choose to win. That was something she said a few years ago, and it still means something to all of us. And you know, you can't just choose to win. So you know, it's not that easy. So, but yeah, but Brodie and Will, you're right. We couldn't. Have, I couldn't have asked for two better personalities in our team. Like they're very different characters, but the way they're pushing each other and learning off each other and. Accepting that somebody's got to—they're going to beat each other. You know, one time, the next time, the other guy will beat. They don't care. At the moment, um, I've said it for a long time that teammates should be working until they're one-two, and once they're one-two, we'll decide. We'll try and work out who can win the next race. But until you're one-two, no good fighting and bitching over being tenth and twelfth. It just doesn't help. So those two are so the maturity is way above what I even expected this year, and. The way they've embraced our team, and our team have embraced those drivers, and just treated them like professionals. It's yeah, the ho- I'm proud of the whole team.
1: You obviously had a long term plan with Will, having put him back on contract in 2019 um, to come on board in 2021. Um, I, you know, I, and I've I've known Will for a number of years, probably you know slightly less than you have, but um, and certainly don't know him as well as you do. But the one thing is that he has and indefatigable spirit he is warm friendly he is what you look at i mean he's just he's alive and bubbly and just a giant you know sponge for everything he wants to be there amongst it he, he's a great spirit to have on board isn't he
2: yeah he's fantastic i remember the first time i saw him i think it was 2015 when he was you know really young racing 2886 down at phillip island and he have been racing formula Ford as well and it's just a kid that I actually went up to him and said, "Come into our garage. We want to have a chat." And we we talked about things and what his future looked like. And immediately he was just he was a sort of character I wanted to um, I wanted to bring in our team at some stage. And we got him into the car when we could, and sort of just tried to give him guidance where we could. And um, yeah, he's hopefully someone going to stick by us and be really loyal. And he explained to someone the other day, Brody and Will are very very different in the way they go about their racing, but it gets the same result. Will, Will's very, he knows exactly what he's feeling through his ass and through his feet and through his steering wheel, and he knows how to say, yes, that's better or it's not better. And that's as simple as the driver sometimes needs to be, where Brody's more, he knows what change he needs next in the car. So he's really technical in the way he explains, in the way he drives the car. But they've both got very good strengths for our team, And it's just they go about it a different way, and I think that actually complements having those two drivers,
1: the way they go about it. As you say, I mean, Craig and I were lucky enough uh, a couple of years ago when they were making their debut in the uh, Dunlop uh, Super 2 Series in Adelaide, and uh, I remember sitting down with the three uh, Kostecki lads in their transporter. Uh, And I remember, actually, I thought that... um, Jake and Kurt's younger brother was in fact Brody's son for some reason. I don't know where it got in my head, but I did. And they all thought yeah. it was a great joke that you know, Brody would have a kid, you know. But yeah. they are in fact three enormously different lads as well. But Brody has something, and it could well just be that bit where he competed in America and he got that sort of hard edge to him. You know, he's somebody yeah. that you know full well that he's not going to give this up until he's actually wrung every little bit out of it he can. So, hundred percent.
2: I think you need the nail on the head there. It's the American thing. He, he was over there. And when you race there, like he did, you're racing uh, sometimes twice a week or at least once a week. And you're doing, you know, 40 something race meetings a year. And, and every race meeting you, you're going to, it's cutthroat, Like they're all racing to get their next, you know, hundred dollars to put some food on the table and, now he, yeah, he, he's um, very, very calm in the way he goes racing and he's only got one target. And he's, No matter what, if he qualifies 20th, he still thinks he can win that race. So he's, um, yeah, he's really good to work with in that way and he's it's so positive. And it's just,
1: it's refreshing to have a driver that, that's that positive in every situation. Obviously, you were maybe not looking for, actively looking for a driver when you came across Will uh, some six years ago. Um, but the process of finding those new, identifying those new drivers, um, I actually went to the TRS uh, last year in New Zealand and travelled with Bruin, and um, I was tremendously re-energised by all these young drivers, and they were from all over the world. I mean, there wasn't an Eskimo there, but everywhere else. And it, there is something, isn't there, about being around those young drivers who know what they want to do, but it's identifying them, how do you really go out and sort of say, gee, I've got to look for the next one? Oh, I don't know. it's um I think they just stand out. Like you look at good example
2: of what you just said at Matt Payne. He um in T R S last year he, he did a really good job for a kid straight out of the go karts and you look at him at um Taylor and Ben in the Porsche race, he qualified and pole by like six tenths or something ridiculous and he had an incident in the first race or whatever, but he's just instantly shown that he is He's one of the next guys that people need to sign up. He's he's um incredible for the amount of experience he's had in the tin top. Apparently two rounds in the tin top, and the rest has been a go kart career and you know, a little bit of TRS. It's it's he's he's um he's definitely one people have got to look at and love to give him a drive or give him a steer. But we're sort of stacked up with young guys at the moment, so <laughs> we um you know we've got some really good young guys coming through like Jalen Um Reef McCarthy, he's he's a really really good young kid. He's only 17, and you know, wins everything in Formula V, and he's now doing Super Three with Terry. Yeah, Jalen's, uh, he's only 18. He's he's an un- unbelievable driver and really good, um, mature kids that are ready to do the business, and they just need the guidance and obviously the, a bit of backing behind them, and they can probably make it as, as as much as Brody and Will, and you know, at the end of the day, if they go to another team. Like Brock Feeney, we gave him his first opportunity in a supercar at a, at a co-driver test at Winton, and look where he's gone already. And his profile's up there, and he, he might even get a Triple Eight seat next year. So yeah, it makes you proud just working with some of these young kids, whether they come through your actual team or not. It's,
1: um, it's something I really like
2: doing and seeing seeing guys achieve.
1: One of the things that you know is that Erebus had gone through a, an enormous upheaval. You you lost. You know, obviously, your two drivers um, were lost or or decided, you know, for whatever reasons. Um, You you had a number of uh, changes in race engineers and data and crew personnel, yet, you've been able to pull together the elements, perform at a higher spectrum, and and level it up. You must have actually done an enormous amount through the the off season, of which it was very few months, but weeks almost how much did it encompass everybody getting on board that's all it was like the
2: the guys that left didn't want to be there so it's a simple philosophy for us if you don't want to be there you can walk out the door and that's essentially what it was and i didn't really we weren't going to beg anyone to stay because it doesn't work and we could have begged anton to stay and paid him more and more money but he didn't not that he didn't want to be with us he had the biggest opportunity in lane to go to the you know, three times championship winning team, current Bathurst winners. No one ever will ever blame Anton for what he's done and I'm proud to say that we we got him to a point where he got that opportunity. But the rest of the team we've given, you know, lots of internal people that have been with us since two thousand sixteen opportunities now to step up and they've stepped up ten times more than I actually expected them to and you know we've got a we've got a really, really good, strong team now. We've got you know, a lot of the ideas that we, we already had in the last five years and the processes, but we've got all these ideas that these guys had, like young Tom Moore and Wayne Mackey and guys like that, that it's sort of been held held back a bit because they weren't the main engineer. They sort of could contribute, but not get listened to a lot. And now that they've got to step up. They've got to make their opinions known and make the decisions. And to their credit, they've been able to do that. And George Cummins has been a great, person to get on board and he was obviously at Kelly's for five or some years with Rick Kelly but he's he's a huge asset um I, I can't believe I've let him go because he's, he's one of the nicest guys and the smartest guys I've worked with and the way he's worked with our younger engineers like Tom and, and embraced Wayne's passion and enthusiasm our engineering group is, is strong or stronger than it's ever been and it's you know it's it's, it's main experience is George and it's, um yeah it's, it's really good and i can't wait to see what we're going to do over the next year or two
1: betty by example sort of leads a, a team and gives you the the ammunition shall i say or the, the means by which you you do things and us do things in a different manner there's not a slickness about it there's not a gee we want to look the best or anything like that but there is a way in which you go about it to accomplish so quickly these podiums that you have and uh, who have got the team, you know, so that now people sort of fear if, if uh, a Brody or a Will on your tail, they ain't going to satisfy uh, following you around. You know that there's a strong chance they're going to get through. That, that's a wonderful position to have got your team in, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And
2: uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that that's my character. And I think some of the young guys we brought on the journey, like Brad Tremaine and um, guys like that that we've had since the start in Melbourne, he sort of got, already had a natural race the, um what do you call mentality, but he's actually really worked with me really close and, you know, wanted to learn off, not just me, but anybody else he could learn off. And when you have passionate races in your team, it makes a massive difference and it just pushes everybody. And no one that works for us is there because they just want a job. They're, they're there because they want to go racing. And and when you've got that mentality, it's, it's a totally different situation to, some teams where half the crew are there because they really want to win a race and the other half are there because they think it's a cool job. And no one that thinks it's a cool job and isn't a racer will survive in our team. It's just it's our the atmosphere we've created and um, people see me and my attitude as a bad thing, but you have to be that passionate. You have to be a racer and you have to want to win because that's the only way you're going to get to the top. You, you can't just... Sit there, you know, going. I love, I like this job. This is really cool. When's the weekend coming? It just doesn't work. So, I think that's all it is. Just we've got the right group of people that actually really want to win races.
1: Just as an aside, um, be interested. Did you watch the Indy Five Hundred? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yep. It's certainly fascinating to see the way in which the organisation of Indy cars has built itself into a parity formula with two different engine manufacturers and. Successfully done it. We didn't know whether it was a Chev or a Honda was going to win. I mean, certainly the Hondas had looked stronger, but the yeah. Chev's could not be discounted. And uh, as it turned out, one of the um, podium places was a Chevy. So it was terrific to see um, that worked so well. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, all the same chassis, and they got paddle
2: shifted. No one seems to care about that. Um, the racing was really good. There's so much strategy involved and timing of when you're going to go slipstream and you know, I, the only thing I thought was strange is where, where did all that traffic all of a sudden come from with one and a half laps to go? Like it, with two laps to go I thought um, the guy in second was, a, um, I can't remember his name, but a young fella. He looked like he was going to win it easy and then all of a sudden there's this, all this traffic in front of um, Helio that could tow him around and the guy behind didn't have a chance then because the guy leading had a tow. So it was it was fascinating to watch that last lap and a bit and it was almost like the field backed up to him to help him win it. It was it was weird, but um, yeah, the, the whole journey of that race was just. It didn't get boring. It as funny as it sounds, he's driving around in an oval. It didn't get boring. You could see all little strategies playing out everywhere, and people trying to get laps back. And um, Dixon got the lap back, and then what his engine stalled or something the pit stop. And yeah, it was it was a really good, fascinating race to watch for somebody that actually gets motorsport.
0: What. I would love to see in supercars is go to smaller tanks and allow you to have a lot more strategy options. I know I've been banging on for years to say you should only have half the size of tank because then if you have to pick even twice in in a sprint race, you've got to make a whole bunch more decisions about how you're going to run that play and What is fascinating about Indy is guys got behind. They were making decisions, and Scott McLaughlin, he made that mistake on pit lane. His team was able to flip to that other strategy, and they said, well, we're going to run for a safety car. And if we get a safety car, we're going to finish top five. If we don't get a safety car, we're we're going to be, uh, you know, down the back. But people are willing to do that in that form of racing, and I think it's because you know you've got to have eight stops over the course of 500 miles. And I think supercars yeah. need to, to to look at that model a bit more closely.
2: Yeah, similar to Bathurst. I guess you sort of, you know how many stops you have to do and how many stops you, you could do, but that's, it's a shame Bathurst now you have to do the seven stops. So if you could go back to him, try and squeeze out the six stops, you'd see that scenario playing out there when somebody is having a bad day but we seem to be more focused on just getting tyres that wear out so the strategy is based on tyre, not fuel. So, um, yeah, it's, I think the super, super soft tyre that we're about to enter into is going to be interesting and hopefully it brings out some more passing and strategy and, um, yeah, I think it will. and it'll, it'll bring some of the more of the younger drivers up there, I think, because it's a new tyre got to learn and no one's got an advantage
0: Now, I did notice you made a comment about paddle shift. Are you uh, for or against the paddle shift idea?
2: As a a team, called team owner, CEO, someone that's got to run the budget, um, we need it because the engines we're we're trying to put into the category that's going to save us all money and keep us all going, um, they're probably not going to be as, is um prone to over revs is what we've got now so you've really got to consider the paddle shift and the auto blip you might not need but then auto blip saves the gearbox so there's, there's a lot of positives in that side and on the racing side i also believe it's going to open up more opportunities for young guys which um, we talked a bit about and young guys should be able to have the opportunity though I don't know about that young kid I talked about, Matt Payne, and whether he's actually driven a manual car, heel and toe, and all that stuff. It'd be sad that for him not to get a proper opportunity in a supercar because he can't, you know, heel and toe or use a gearbox properly. But there, there will be drivers like that that aren't getting opportunities because of their experience, um, and that's why a lot of the, the older guys are up in arms about it because they're protective of their jobs. So um, I think. If, if we go pedal shift after two rounds, no one will ever remember that we had gear sticks and the racing, you're just focused on the racing again.
1: Are you encouraged by uh, what you've seen in recent times on Gen 3? And obviously, you've seen a lot more than Craig or I or the Public has um, in terms of the plans and the CAD drawings and things like that, the engine discussions. Are you sort of feel that they're closer than maybe we think they are? Yeah, we're in a. It's not the best position, but a lot of that's
2: down to what happened last year with COVID, and you know, there's um, there's so many reasons why it's a little bit behind. But they've done a lot of work, and there's a lot of, a lot of great things in the concept of that car and what it's going to be, um, for the teams for making the cars repair better, um, uh, making them cheaper to, cheaper to um, maintain. Um, minimizing development. There's all positives for the future of the category. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really positive about it. And I think, um, you know, that as soon as we can get them on track. So hopefully we can we can get it for the start of 2022. And um, everybody just jumps on board and we make it happen because it's what we need. We need it for the fans. We need it for the teams. And, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting
1: little journey for Supercars. Having been involved in the category since the 90s, Barry, You uh, would know full well how how much project blueprint costs more than the previous car. How much uh, car of the future costs more than the previous car? You know, we know that everything in life that you know it doesn't go backwards. But do you think there's a chance that with Gen Three that costs could become you know a little less uh, um, inflated? They could uh, stabilise a bit more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the biggest example is.
2: Whenever we've created a new, you know, um, Project Blueprint or the Gen 1, next-gen cars or whatever we did, every team went and developed their own things to go in that car. This car, the category, with the help of lots of the engineers and different teams in pit lane, are developing the car and the components to go in it. So basically, once we test one car or two cars, everything's proven. And if there's something that fails, like a steering rack or something, you fix that steering rack, and it's fixed for everyone. Where when you develop the past cars, we've all developed a new steering rack or we've all developed new up drives, and we're all individually trying to develop these different cars. And that's where you have problems and you see teams having issues at the start of the year and breaking down. And we're not going to have that because, yeah, once it's developed once, it should be right for everyone. There's no reason why it won't be because they've all got the same components. There's still going to be plenty of tuning opportunities. Like It's not going to be like Porsche or anything where you basically can't do anything. You just adjust the cameras. We're still going to have lots of opportunities to make the car fast or slow. So it's still going to be a massive engineering effort for the teams to get the cars winning or, or um, not winning. It's still going to be easy to get it wrong.
0: Not since the VSVT uh, swap over have we seen a a supercar developed and launched halfway through the year. Is Is it better to do a mid-season launch than it is to wait for 2023, in your opinion? Um, My
2: opinion, I think, yeah, I don't think it's a problem. And I said that to someone yesterday that... I didn't remember that in 1999 we went V T in the middle of the season. So it's been done. I don't think it's a problem as long as it's done properly. And if we do miss the target at the start of the year and we have to do six rounds with the current car and we go to um, the the Gen 3 car in the middle of the year, so be it. But I really hope we can get to a point where we're comfortable to start the season with it. um. There's a couple of boxes to tick there, but I don't think they're um, unachievable, and that's what the category is aiming for to start the season with it.
0: You have an affiliation with Super Two and Super T Three teams, and what obviously one of the things that they always say is, "Oh, we've got to get rid of these cars and get them into the other into the other series because that's how we uh, recoup some of the changeover costs." Are you in the position where you've got to try and push that again, or do we need a bit of time for them to stabilise before they can go after you come off 2020 and and now 2021 having its share of COVID issues?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point. That would make it difficult for a lot of teams and the changeover to Super 2 if we did do a mid season changeover. So I think that's another reason why we should try and make it clean the start of 22. But um, yeah, we're, we're um, we've got some ideas with Terry Wyhoon and how, how he wants to run his program, and if our cars go to him, he might lease them for a year and then buy them, or might lease them for a longer term. Or yeah, there's, there's plenty of options, but we've just got to wait and see. That's the problem at the moment. So it's sort of the decision is going to hold up the decisions of Super Two as well as Supercars and Super Three to some point. To work out what they're going to look like in 2022. You know, lots of teams involved in that whole process, and everybody wants to know soon what's happening. So, there's some big decisions to make um, pretty soon, and um, yeah, I'm sure the category will will be in a position to to um, actually probably have that finalised pretty soon, and make sure we take the right step forward, and make sure we make sure there's not much risk in any any of it.
1: Well, Barry, thank you for joining us on Inside Supercars and giving us that insight not only to twenty twenty two and beyond, but also into the team's growth and uh, the adapting to two new young guys that are proving themselves to be well and truly worthy of the jobs they've been given. I'm fairly certain in my mind that uh, a podium or two or more will be uh, coming Erebus way this year, and I'm sure that's what you're working towards. But Best of luck with it all. Enjoy Wagga, as you well know. They like the name so much; they called it twice, didn't they? Yeah. So enjoy yeah. Wagga and all it's got there, as well as
2: Darwin. You no, thanks for your time. And I've probably skipped over the whole Betty thing, but you know, the, the thing that I think that people don't see about Betty is she's very involved in the team, and you know, she she's helped me a lot in the, in my journey since I've been with her. they just learn more about business and, you know, how to, how she runs her business, which is a totally different business to supercars, but she's a very, very smart person and, you know, I get onto the phone to her a, a lot of times and just talk about how stuff's going and ask her advice and even if she doesn't know what I'm talking about exactly, the technical side of it, she'll always have a good opinion on what she thinks, whether it's right or wrong and, you know, we just, I think we complement each other in, in our strengths. So she's a very good person to have in our category and I'm, I'm glad to have her as a boss.
1: I'm sure that Erebus continue to show the horizontal management that occurs there and that's the, the reason why that uh, the team has uh, been so successful in recent years. So thanks again, Barry, for joining us on Inside Supercars. No
2: worries. Thanks, guys. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in
0: next time for more